Good morning, Harvest Church. Boy, if that music doesn't put a jump in your step, amen? Let's stand up. How'd you like to start Sunday morning off like that? <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this time of year, because all time of the year should be centered on Jesus. And so, Lord, we set our affections, we purpose to set our eyes, our affections on things above this morning, to forget every distraction, every care, every concern, every worry, and look to our Creator, our living God, our soon-coming King. We thank You, Holy Spirit, and we welcome You this day. Help us sing the praises to Jesus. Amen.
let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Christ, Lord. Sing that again. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Christ, Lord. Oh, come, all ye faithful, oh, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come and be for born King, King of angels. Oh, come
forever and ever. Yes, you are good. Forever and ever. You are good. Rest for the weary.
worship you in this place this morning. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our soon-coming King, we give you all the glory and all the honor, for you are good. God's people said, you are good, and your mercy endures forevermore. Amen. You may be seated. that we should be able to rejoice of what God's done for us. He sent His Son, His Son to earth to redeem us, and we should never take that for granted. A couple quick announcements. This Tuesday at 6 o'clock here, Dr. Kim Thor uh, will be speaking. She will be talking about natural medicine, vaccine issues. Probably if you're young, have children, that might be of special interest to you because of the excessive vaccines right now. What, uh, there's in, more information about that on the bulletin board in the back. Wednesday night at 7 o'clock is our midweek service. This will be the last midweek service that we have of this year. So the, the week before Christmas and after Christmas, we will not have a midweek service. On Sunday the 24th, that's New Year's Eve day, at 10 a.m. will be our Christmas service. The children will be participating, so I'd encourage you to come for that on, your, on some of the seats. And then on, in the lobby, there are these. You may take those for your information, and you can hand them out as invitations to people that you would like to invite. We'd encourage you to do that. Also, um, we have three of these books left. They are great. They tell the Christmas story from not only the scriptural perspective, but the historical perspective. They should be a family heirloom that you would have to pass down and read to your children and, and read yourselves. And, I mean, the art in them alone, and they should sell for over $50, but they sold them to us for 22 So I have three of those left. If anyone's interested, you can talk to me afterwards. I'm just going to read a scripture to you this morning while you prepare your tithes and offerings. It's Paul speaking, and this is from Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine making request for you with all joy, that your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. This may be my last opportunity of the year, but I just want to thank you from Mike's in my heart. What a blessing you are and how you bless us and how you bless the body of Christ. Good attitudes, generous giving, um, just your faithfulness, and we appreciate it so much. So just know that we appreciate you and we are thankful at all all of our remembrance of you. Ushers, you may go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings.
Amen. How many first-time visitors? Amen. Well, look at them and say, welcome. Amen. Amen. This morning and um, will be part one. Wednesday night will be part two. So if you want to get it, you better be here. Amen. Also, we have a new member. Her name's Abigail. Back there. Amen. We have two Abigails. That's, that's great. Joy of the Father, I think that's what the name means. Amen. So everything went well for mom and baby. God is good. Amen. Now, I'm going to uh, share. <laughs> that's the sound of life. On November 6th, in the early morning hours, I had a dream. Through the years, I've had a few. You know, some people have dreams and visions continually, and uh, I don't operate in the office of a prophet. But this was a God dream, because a month later, I can remember every detail of the dream. And uh, what I'm going to do, I'm going to share part one this morning. And then Wednesday night, I'll share part two and three. It's interesting, the dream was in three parts. And uh, so I'm going to share part one. You know, the Bible says, old men shall dream dreams. So I guess that's where I'm at in my life. Amen. Now, the location of the dream was the South Building. Okay. And... Uh, the upper room upstairs, and then downstairs. And then in the last part of the dream is an abandoned building that's in disrepair and falling apart. I'll give you my emotions throughout the whole dream. Surprise, urgency, frustration, distraction, and concern. Surprise, urgency, frustration, distraction, and concern. Now, I'm going to just give you uh, kind of a, a short, you know, um, concise um, rendition of the dream, and I'll read it to you, and then I'm going to go, and I'm going to go through it step by step. I, got, I was at my desk, and I got up, my, up from my desk, and I went into the, the large upper room that used to be the children's church. And this room was empty. And I looked out the building, and there was a giant semi-truck. Now, what do you call just the cab? What do you call it? Just the truck itself, not a trailer. Tractor-trailer. Second level. So I was eye-level on the second floor of this tractor-trailer, and it was demolished. And I looked at the building... The building, our building itself on the northeast corner, I remember every detail. There, the, the, um, a bit of it was pushed in, but the windows weren't broken. Now, let me ask you this. If you've ever driven a semi-truck, if a semi-truck hit this south building at 60, 70 miles an hour, what would happen? It'd go probably right through it. Okay. But wasn't it, don't you think it's unusual that truck was the second story level. It was like it was floating there. And uh, meanwhile, 
I want, you've got to understand something. I never heard it. I never saw it coming. I was totally caught off guard. I had this sense of urgency. I had to get outside and get information from all those that were at the scene of the accident. But you know what? They were all pulling away. They were leaving. Meanwhile, I discovered it was torrential rain. It was raining hard, and the roof was leaking. I had to find containers. Now, here's where you, know, you can picture me trying to find containers to catch all that water. Chicken with its head cut off. Had to find a container. I found one container, and it was bright, polished silver. And I put that container, I can still see it, there was a luster to this container, and it was bright, not only on the outside, but on the inside. Next part, I was downstairs, and there were probably seven senior citizens outside the door. And they wanted in. And I, I let them in reluctantly. And as I let them in, they sat down in the entryway. As I was ready to engage them in conversation, a young boy appeared in a football uniform. You're saying, what did you eat before you went to bed? But I recognized this little boy. He had grown up here in the church. He's no longer here. And he was, he's in a backslidden state. And he informed me, he says, Pastor, I'm leaving the church. And I'm thinking, meanwhile, i got these senior citizens here, and, this, and I'm thinking, you're, you're interrupting right now. I'm trying to deal with these senior citizens. He's leaving the church. I was aggravated that he was doing this in front of this group of seniors. Then suddenly he disappeared, and I turned my attention towards the group of senior citizens, or the older, mature ones. As they began to talk, I said, did you have an appointment? This is my day off. One, one woman just gave me a blank stare, and they got up, and they left. And you're thinking, this is weird. Well, that's why it's taken me a month to seek God and get some revelation. When that was done, suddenly I was in the, this dark hallway of a building, and I can remember looking into the rooms, and it was, the ceiling was caved in. And I looked off to the side in the hallway, and there were two rats. And the first rat was just cuddling up like it was going to bed, like a little baby. The other rat scurried right off, and the dream was over. Boy, you have a dream like that. You say, what are you smoking, preacher? I'm not smoking anything. So let's go through this. You know, I, I talked to a couple of guys in church, and they get dreams, and but I sought God on this, and I'm going to go through this. That's why I'm not going to go through the whole thing, because we don't have time. Here's the significance of the large, empty Second story, upper room. In the Bible, the upper room has prophetic significance. 
It was the place where Jesus shared communion. You remember that? With the disciples. It was also the place where the disciples gathered before the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in that upper room. Amen? In fact, look at Mark 14. I'm not going to have you look at all the Scriptures today, but we will look at a few of them. Mark 14. And we'll look at the significance of this large upper room. Let's look at verse 12. It says, Now on the first day of the unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? And he sent out two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Wherever he goes in, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, Where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a what? Large upper room. Now look at the next two words. What's it say? Furnished and prepared. Say it. Furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. Now this furnished in the Greek means a spread. You know, you have company out, you put out a spread. Have you ever heard that? It means furnishing a room. And what they did, they furnished this room. It was furnished with couches so they could, you know, recline when they had this time of fellowship and communion. And uh, the same word for furnished, you remember in Matthew 21 and verse 8, what did the people do on the triumphant Entry of Jesus, triumphal entry of Jesus Christ. What did they do? They broke palm branches, laid them down. What else did they They took their clothes. And they did that to pay homage to a king. Okay? So that's what that, that means. Now, listen, I know your mind, you're, you're trying to figure this all out. Just listen. Is this being recorded, by the way? Okay. The word prepared in the Greek implies readiness. Say readiness. It's an attitude that is always set to go, eager and prompt. The idea that one must do everything in his power to equip himself for the moment when he is called into action. What's a soldier do? Prepares for battle. Then what happens? The day comes when they're called to go out. But they're, they're ready. They're prepared. She used to have an aunt. Her name was Annie May. They lived on a farm down by Monroe. She was a great cook. She'd go and they'd, she'd put out a spread. <laughs> and and uh, she'd say, I'll put out a little lunch. It was, you know, middle of the morning. She'd put out pies and lunch meat, and she'd make you eat till you were stuffed. But Annie May was just a, a, a kind of a rotund woman. I'm being polite. And they'd say... One of the kids would say, Mom, do you want to go to town? And before, before they could even you know, step foot out the door, she had her hat on and her purse under her arm, and she was raring to go. That's what this word means. Okay? So those two words give us an idea about this upper room where this fellowship took place. The upper room was also in Acts 1.13, the place where the disciples were waiting for the arrival of God's Spirit. Look at that. Look over at Acts chapter 1 and look at verse 12. It 
It says, then they returned Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they'd entered, they went up into the what? Upper room. Where they were what? Staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. But I want you to see this word here. It says they were staying. In, in the King James it says abode. They abode there. And that means indefinitely staying. So I'm describing to you the upper room. Okay? Now, here's what Brenda Kuhneman, I found this, I thought this was interesting because it applies. It says, every believer should be an upper room believer. We should make our spirit a preparation for the Holy Spirit's presence. We prepare our upper room by making our hearts a heart. A place of communion with the Father. Then like the disciples in the book of Acts, we wait for the move of the Holy Spirit in our lives with prayerful expectancy. Say communion. Say wait for the Holy Spirit. So this upper room is your heart. The semi-truck didn't hit the first floor. The accident and the destruction didn't come on the first floor. It came on the second floor, the upper room, which represents your heart and my heart. The devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. This dream is a warning dream. And the thing that you have to do when you have a dream, sometimes that dream is for yourself. You know, some people are quick to give the dream when maybe that dream was for you. Well, I, I believe that dream was for all of us. Okay? Not just for this church, but I believe it's for the body of Christ in general. Look at 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, chapter 7. This is where... The ark was brought back from the Philistines that had taken it. And in chapter 7, Then the men of Kirjath Jerem came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eleazar, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. Now listen. So it was the ark remained in Kirjath Jerem a long time. It was there 20 years and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the Asherahs from among you, and prepare your hearts, say prepare your hearts, for the Lord, and serve Him only, and He will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So you see something about the preparing your heart? Especially in this hour, we need to make sure our heart's right. No idolatry. Not worshiping false gods. The spirit of the world or the Antichrist isn't controlling us. You don't need to turn there, but in Ezra 7.10, it says, For Ezra, who was the scribe and priest had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his 
statutes and ordinances in Israel. So he prepared his heart to what? Do the word. Are you, are you getting a picture here about the upper room? See, the upper room represents my heart, your heart, my heart. Then you have the scripture, don't need to turn there in Luke 1, verse 13. The Zacharias was told by the angel that his son John would, would basically, he will also go before Christ in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So, are you getting the picture? We should be a people prepared for what's coming. And see, if our hearts, if we're in communion with the Father daily, if we're waiting on the Holy Spirit, it's not easy to wait for some of us. We've been waiting a long time. But if things don't, you know, happen the way you think it should, what should we still be doing? Waiting. You can, flesh can get in there and try to make something happen, but folks, as believers today, we need to be in communion with the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost daily. Amen? Amen. Look at... Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, just wait a minute. I'm gonna, the second part of this, and I tried to, to understand the significance of the semi-truck crashing into the northeast, say northeast, corner of the second story. Isn't that funny? I can close my eyes and I can see that semi-tractor, uh, trailer truck just suspended it in air. Just, it was demolished. Looked out and saw part of the building, you know, the, the edge on the building was, was caved in. The northeast corner, we're going to talk about that. The believer has three enemies. You know what the enemies are? The devil, the world, and the what? The flesh. Say the devil, the world, and the flesh. Now, I was caught off guard. Wouldn't you think if I was sitting at my desk and a semi-truck hit the building, do you think I'd hear something? You'd think I could see, you know, I, I see everything that's going on. I have, I'm strategically located, so if you pull into the church, I'm going to see you. And believe you me, I look, I watch. I missed it. How many of you have missed it? When suddenly something happens, you're, you're not prepared for it. 1 Peter 5.8 says, keep a cool head, stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up. Look at your neighbor and say, keep your guard up. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep vigilant watch over your upper room. Keep vigilant watch over your heart. For out of it flow the what? Issues of life. Let me read to you from the Message Bible in Matthew 13. 
It says, the disciples came and asked, why do you tell stories? And he replied, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everybody has this gift. This is insight. It hasn't been given to them. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understandings flow freely. Oh, that's good. Whenever someone has a what? Ready heart. The insights and understandings flow freely. But if there's no readiness, no any trace of receptivity soon disappears. That's why I tell stories to create readiness, to nudge the people toward receptive insight. In their present state, they can stare. Now listen to this. This is good. In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it. Listen till they're blue in the face and not get it. I don't want Isaiah's forecast repeated all over again. Your ears are open, but you don't hear a thing. Your eyes are awake, but you don't see a thing. No, don't take this personal. The people are blockheads. They stick their fingers in their ears so they won't have to listen. They screw their eyes shut so they won't have to look. So they won't have to deal with me face to face and let me heal them. But you have God-blessed eyes. Say, I have God-blessed eyes. Eyes that see and God-blessed ears, ears that hear. A lot of people, prophets and humble believers among them, would have given anything to see what you are seeing, to hear what you're hearing, but never had the chance. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't think you're a blockhead. But you never know. Look at Luke 21. Luke 21. I'm making you look in the Scripture today. That's all right. Luke 21. So we looked at the significance of the upper room. Now we're looking at the significance of the, the, the truck crashing into the northeast corner of the second story. Luke chapter 21 and verse 34. Luke 21 and verse 34. It says, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will soon come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Take heed to yourself. Are you listening? Are your eyes open? Are your ears open? What's the condition of your heart today, church? The significance of the northeast corner. Look at Acts 27. Isn't it interesting how God can give you a dream and give you all these details? It's amazing. And I'll tell you what, I didn't catch one thing till yesterday. After a month that I got it. Aren't you glad I got it? Acts 27, verse 9. Northeast corner. And I'm thinking in my head, anything in the Bible about the northeast? Well, it's here in Acts 27 and verse 9. Remember when Paul was on the ship? Well, let me read it to you. 
And when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss not only of the cargo and ship but also our lives nevertheless the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by paul and because the harbor was not suitable to winter in the majority advised to set them set sail there from there also if by any means they could reach phoenix a harbor of crete opening toward the southwest and northwest and winter there when the south wind blew softly Supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. So they thought everything was all right, didn't they? But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Euroclidon. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of the island called Clotta, we secured the skiff with difficulty. When they taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship, fearing lest they should run aground on the sands that they struck sail and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. On the third day we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat, us, beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Now you can go, I'm not going to go through the rest of that, but I'd say they were in a tight spot. Wouldn't you? Amen. Euroclidon, this is what it means. It's a northeast wind. It's a typhoon. It blew the ship off course. They were no longer in control of the ship. Now listen, they presumed the south wind. They got caught up in presumption like we do as believers. They presumed the south wind would continue to blow to their advantage until there arose... A massive, terrible force of wind arose, in the Greek means to throw, to hurl, to inject, to beat. Ever felt that way? Like the enemy was coming against you? Well, you know the word devil? This word in the Greek for arose is in that word devil. Dia means, D-I-A means through as in all the way through. Through an object, the second part of the word devil is B-A-L-L-O. When dia and balo are compounded, they form the word diablos, which translates the devil as one who strikes repetitiously, trying to find a way to break through into our lives. That's what that semi-truck is trying to what? Break through. Your heart, the upper room of your heart. The ship's crew had refused to heed Paul's advice or warning. Paul listened to his heart. The crew didn't. They didn't listen to Paul. And the result ended in destruction. Now, I had a sense of urgency to go outside and gather all the necessary information. Whenever you have an accident, you ever been in an accident, you call the police and what do they do? get all the information, and I just was so, I had to get out there, but, but I noticed people were leaving. It's like they didn't even care. Meanwhile, it started to rain. 
You'd think I'd wake up after this dream in a sweat, wouldn't you? It started to rain, and I had one scene in the dream. All I saw was torrential rain coming down. And I noticed the roof was leaking. This was a distraction to me because I must find a container to catch the water. I could only find one. Say one. This is the description of the one container. It was a large, polished, silver pan. Now, I tried to call Pastor Brad for help, but he didn't answer. And to be honest, that's a little unusual, because he's about the only one in the church I call to answer. If Pastor calls, he answers. But he didn't answer. So now I'm thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do? A roof always symbolizes protection, and this one had been compromised and needed repair. Rain is always symbolic of God's Word. Isaiah 55, it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit, Joel chapter 2, and final judgment in Matthew 7. I want you to turn there. I'm almost done. Matthew 7. I know I'm giving you a lot to think about. So I'm glad that was your dream and not mine. Maybe, preacher, that was just for you. I don't think so. Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and what? Does them. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. The only vessel I found was silver. Silver in the ancient world, and even today, is expensive and precious. Look at Zechariah 13.9. Zechariah 13.9. How many of you know Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament? It's right before Malachi. Zechariah 13.9. Let's start with verse 8. It shall come to pass in all the land, says the Lord, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die, but one-third shall be left in it. I will bring the one-third through the fire. That sounds like a remnant to me, doesn't it? I will bring the one-third through the fire and will what? Refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them and I will say, this is my people. And each one will say, this Lord is my God. Now, in this verse, silver represents God's people. Or who are who are being refined? Say, being refined. How do you refine a metal? Fire. Refine in the Hebrew means to prove, examine, or try by fire. The process in which impurities are removed from the precious metals. Look at Psalm 66. I hope you take notes. I didn't have an outline for you today because it just they were gone and I didn't get it. 
Psalm 66. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you are going through fire right now? Or feel like you're going through fire right now? Psalm 66 and verse 10. For you, O God, have tested us. You've refined us as what? Silver. Remember, the vessel with silver is refined. You brought us into the net. You laid affliction on our backs. You've caused man to ride over our heads. We went, we went through. Say, we went through. Fire and through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. Some of us maybe are going through the fire right now, but did you ever realize that God looks at you as a chosen vessel of honor? Sanctified and useful for the Master and prepared for every good work. So you should feel honored. If you're going through fire, you know the Scripture tells us, in, in, especially in the New Testament, there's Scriptures about God refining us, proving us, testing us. He knows our hearts, but sometimes we don't know. There are character flaws in us that need to be dealt with. If we're going to be a vessel of honor, if we're going to minister to people in the days ahead, church, we need to have our act together. And sad to say, most believers, you can't tell them from the world. There's no distinction. They talk like the world, think like the world, act like the world, behave like the world. We have to be above that. We're in the world, but we're not of this world. We're set apart. We should be consecrated. Amen? Now, I realize as you go through this, you think this is an ominous thing. And it is a warning to us. But just take, take heed this morning. The truck didn't go through the building. That's success. One vessel was found to catch all that rain, and it was a polished silver vessel. Amen? So that's a, that's a good thing. Why didn't Pastor Brad answer the call for help? Why didn't Pastor Brad... And you would think because of all the years that, you know, he's been here, I'd call him, and, and uh, he was always faithful to do whatever I asked him to do, but this time he didn't answer the phone. It's not about Pastor Brad in the days ahead. It's about you. It's about everyone in this room answering the call. It can't be just one person, one vessel. Everyone here in the days ahead are going to have to roll up their sleeves a revival will pass this church by. There will be no revival. There will be no effect on the city of Norfolk unless you answer the call. Now, you visitors today, you're off the hook. Because I don't know you, but, but still you better heed what I'm saying today, wherever you end up. Everyone here has a part to play. How many have ever had some impurities? Let me see your hand today if you've got some impurities. Trust that our God 
is well able to burn out all those impurities. But you've got to be willing. You've got to be a yielded vessel. Let me ask you this. Why do even some of you come to this church? Is it a social center? Do you come because you think you're obligated to come here? It's an honor and a privilege to be a member of this church. This church has a high calling in this community. And everybody has to do something. It can't just be Pastor Brad anymore. It has to be all of us. Willing and obedient vessels of honor. Vessels full of the Word and the Spirit. The remnant who will help make Harvest Church a safe and secure place for those people, those folks that are becoming in the days ahead that are broken, hurt, sick, in despair. The remnant. Everyone say the remnant. Who is on guard with their eyes and ears open to any sign of attack from the enemy. I'm just not the spiritual watchman here. There's others here. You should all be spiritual watchmen and women. The remnant whose hearts are furnished and prepared for the Word and the Spirit. Is your heart full of the Word? Is your heart in communion with God daily? Are you waiting on direction from the Holy Spirit daily? Listen, are you waiting on correction from the Holy Spirit daily? The remnant who will listen to the Spirit's warning for impending danger and destruction. The remnant who will not leave the scene of the accident, but like the Good Samaritan will offer aid and assistance. The remnant who will allow God to burn out all of the impurities in order to become a vessel of honor so you can flow in the anointing and the power of God. The remnant who will answer the call for help. Can, can't one one part of one dream, all that in one part. I'm just waiting to see who that kid was in the football uniform. I'm not going to give you any names. I'm the only one that needs to know. I'll give you a, a little bit of a about next on Wednesday night. You know who all the old folks were. No, you got to guess. You know who all the old folks were? They're called some. In fact, I preached on it Wednesday night. How many were here Wednesday night? You just blew it. Raise your hand if you're here Wednesday night. What did I preach on? Who were those six or seven senior citizens that I allowed in? Old wineskins. And when I began to talk to them, they didn't like it and they left. Well, don't let the, back, the, the, the gate hit you on the backside going out. That means we need to be a church of new. Let's stand up. Did you get anything out of this today?
It's a sobering thing, and it's a warning. You know, warning in the Greek, it means to put in mind. Put in your mind. I'm putting in you today a warning. And it isn't just for the preacher, the worship leader, ushers. It's for everybody here, young and old alike. Father, in the name above every name, Lord, I've been obedient to the best of my ability to convey this message today. And I pray, Lord God, that whatever I said scripture-wise or truths that I presented will be planted in the hearts of your people and they'll leave here meditating on what they've heard so they can apply it to their own lives, their own hearts, their own ministries. Holy Spirit, I thank you for opening the eyes of our understanding that we might see and opening our ears that we might hear in the days ahead. Sometimes God will give a dream. It will be a warning. But there's things that you need to do if you have a dream. And so this is what I'm going to do. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare and decree the upper rooms represented here. Every heart is good ground to receive the Word of God. Every heart is furnished and prepared for the days ahead. And they'll not be caught off guard. They'll not be surprised by an imminent attack of the enemy. But they'll stand their ground and resist the devil and he will flee. They'll, Lord God, recognize that the enemy can suddenly appear. He comes as a roaring lion. He is not a lion. There is only one lion and it's the lion of the tribe of Judah. So you'll not be caught off guard in the days ahead, for your eyes are open to see and your ears are open to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. You will be a vessel of burnished silver, a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the Master and prepared for every good work in the days ahead. You'll be a vessel full of the Word and full of the Spirit of God. You will be a a vessel that will answer the call. You'll not close your eyes or ears to, to the preacher or to the leadership when they say, we need your gift, we need your assistance, we need your help. But you'll be ready and willing. Your sleeves will be rolled up and you'll say, Pastor, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I serve the people of Harvest Church? That will be the attitude of your heart. I thank you, Lord God, for this dream. Now, Lord, in the days ahead, I thank you. We'll heed this warning. We'll make the adjustments in our heart's attitude. We'll allow the fire of God to burn out every impurity in us. So, Lord God, we'll pe- we will be pure vessels of silver and gold. Thank you, Father, that every member here today and everyone that listens to this message will heed this warning and be doers of the Word and not hearers only. 
It shall be so in this place. I declare it and decree it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I learned that sometimes when God gives you something, it's not to get into fear or get anxious, but it's to go on the offensive with the Word and say it the way it should be. Declare and decree a thing, and it shall be so. Amen? We're going to pray. If you're sick in your body, come on up here. I, I said we'd pray for Bev. Bev was, and the blanks can come, Kathy and... Bev was diagnosed with a tumor in her ear. That's no big thing for God. The same God that delivered you with the brain tumor, the same God that can deliver you, cause that tumor to go in the name of Jesus. And so, extend your hands. We're going to pray. Father, I thank you for the healing anointing to flow into her. I take authority over this tumor in the name of Jesus. I command it to go. Every cell die in Jesus' name. I say be healed, be made whole in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name, which year is it? Okay, let's put, our, put your hand there, Mike and Beth. In the name of Jesus, you are the miracle-working God. You said we could lay hands on the sick and they'd recover. Lord, we're being obedient to you now. So, Lord, I ask you to confirm your word with signs and wonders following. In the name of Jesus. And, Lord, fear is bound and peace is loose this day. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Yes, ma'am. A friend, family member diagnosed with bone cancer. What's the name? First name? Tony. Father, we come in agreement, Lord God, with the signers for their friend, Tony. Cancer is a curse of the law, and I thank you that he's been redeemed from that curse in the name of Jesus. We curse every cancer cell in Tony's body, and we lose healing. We speak miracles. In the name of Jesus, fear is bound and faith, hope is loosed into Tony's life and Tony's family this hour. We thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just right wherever Tony's at right now, whatever he's doing, Lord, minister to him. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Kaylee's friend Stella is having seizures. Okay. Okay. So it's Stella. So we have two two young children, seven, nine-year-old, diagnosed having seizures. One they can't diagnose, and, and they have to have on strong medication, which is not 
Good. Boy, we got some heavy things. Isn't it good? God is... There's nothing too big for God. Father, we come in agreement, Lord, for Stella and Lane this day in the name of Jesus and these two families. Lord, we take authority and bind up these seizures over these two children in Jesus' name. And Lord, we loose, Lord God, healing anointing to flow under their bodies. Give the doctors, Lord God, wisdom that they treat these children, that they don't give these children unnecessary medication that's too strong. But Lord God, we thank you, Father, for the Holy Ghost right now to flow in their lives, in their families, in their physical bodies. For you sent your word to heal Lane and to heal Stella. And we stand on your word today, Lord. We're in agreement, Father, that you are a miracle-working God. We thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus, for healing is in the name. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. See, now that's just a good example of what's going to be coming in the days ahead. There are going to be people here that, that are written off to die. And you know, God can heal. God can deliver. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. So get that in your mind. Amen, amen. D, I know, has cancer. Oh, she's not. We, we knew about that. Father, we lift up D to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, you love D. And Lord, again, we bind up cancer in D's body and D's life. And Lord, we loose healing, health, strength, recovery, peace. We bind fear. And Lord, I don't know, I, I, I think she's born again, but Father, I don't know for sure, but I'm asking for laborers to cross these paths and their family's path that can, Lord, present the gospel to them clearly. And I thank you their hearts are good ground and ready to receive that seed of the Father's Word. And Lord God, we thank you for your goodness and mercy for thee and every family member. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Is she home? You know? Okay. We asked if we could go see her a long time ago, but we didn't get a reply, so we'll see what we could do. You know, D? <laughs> okay. Well, I've been to church. I've heard the word. Now go out and act like Jesus. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night if you want part two. If you don't, I'll, I'll know you don't care. So.